Hey everyone, welcome back to Spooled, the podcast from the Northern Angler right here in Traverse City, Michigan. I feel like I should have some John Philip Sousa rocking today because it is the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day, everyone. You can certainly feel it if you're in Traverse City. We've had the Cherry Fest started up a few days ago. Past two days, we've had jets ripping overhead. We have a great air show here and it's kind of cool. It's a, this big, big festival that comes to a small town. Now, I know those of you who are locals are cringing. You hate it. You hate the extra traffic. It's not that bad, though. And it really, it's kind of cool. There's lots of stuff for families to do. And I think it kind of lightens a little bit of the traffic on the rivers, too. So if you're looking to get out there, this is still a great time. Matt Hartman here. I am your solo host today on the podcast. We've been a little busy. That's a bit of an understatement. Uh, Sorry, we haven't been kicking these out quite as regular as we had hoped. But today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been up to, what Brian and I have been doing the past month or two, uh, some of the things we're seeing on the rivers that you should be aware of, and some of the stuff we have coming up that you might want to check out. So I hope you are all out on the boat today, you know, just doing the float and bloat thing, you know, just relaxing. I'm getting a day off. I'm enjoying it here. I'm down in the basement hanging out in where it's about 20 degrees cooler. AC's rocking upstairs, but I hope you all are having a fun holiday weekend. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to. Uh, right around Memorial Day, I took a trip out to Pennsylvania with a friend of mine, Lindy, and he's he's done this thing a few, a few times, and we meet up with Jimbo and some of the other guys that that we are friends with from around the country, and we're there to chase green drakes really is the focus. You know, it's kind of a, it's like a small hex, if you will, so we're fishing big mayflies, you're fishing, you know, your 2X uh, tippet, and like most areas in the Midwest, uh, Pennsylvania was actually two weeks behind. So we had to adjust a little bit and there were some, some great lessons to be learned there. That water can be really, really technical. It was, it was fun. We stayed at a fly shop that also doubles as a bed and breakfast. It's called the feathered hook. It's right in Coburn PA. And you can literally walk out the front door with a cup of coffee and go watch rising trout in the morning. And if you're there at the right time, there's a guy that feeds these monster trout under the bridge bread every morning. It's painful to watch because these fish, I mean, we're not talking small fish here. These are these are like 25 plus inch trout that live under the bridge. They know the program. We even tried to, to mouse them one night. It did not work. They're very tuned into their white bread. So if anyone is feeling feeling weird, you know, maybe some white bread flies would be a good way to go. You know, kind of like they have those carp, mulberry flies, I have foam, something like that. Um, but, you know, the hope was we'd at least have some sulfurs going throughout the day, fish dry flies in the sun, and then right in the evening have that green drake hatch to fish. Honestly, it didn't really happen. The best fishing um, for trout, I would say, was actually on our way there. And we stopped in Ridgeway, which I, if you told me to point it out on a map, I'd get lost. But the clarions there, and we had some good sulfur fishing, which was great. I mean, we pulled in, caught a few fish, went to the bar, had a burger and a beer, and passed out. We had driven about eight hours already on the way there. Then the next day we drove further east, and we fished 
Spring Creek, we fished Penn's Creek, a bunch of those really classic streams. And what saved us, I know some of you out there are not going to like to hear this, but was knowing how to urinate. I mean, they just were not coming up on dries during the day. And the nice thing for those of us who had the Euronymph stuff, who who knew a little bit about how to use it at least, we caught fish all day. And even if they weren't trout, <laughs> we had one day, I mean, I lost track of the bass and the suckers and the chubs that we caught. And we kind of turned it into a just little, uh, you know, a sucker derby, if you will. And there were a few trout caught right in the evening, right? Finally, some bugs started coming up. But just so just goes to show that if you can be flexible as an angler, you're not going to be disappointed. And same same thing is true up in Traverse in northern Michigan. Our trout fishing has been kind of goofy this spring. I mean, there's definitely been some wonderful evenings out on the water, but we've had some really baffling spring weather, inconsistent weather. And that is, I mean, that's such a huge thing for our trout. Our trout are so temperature sensitive. You know, they look for those warming trends, those consistent days and nights. And we haven't had that. We've had days that are 90. And then a few days later, it's, you know, high as maybe 65. And then we have that overnight temps to reflect that. And that's really been, it's been a challenge. We've had overly warm temps on the water early. We've had tons of days where there's bugs, but no fish and just frustrated anglers. And that's just, that's how it is. And that's why you have to just put the time in and, you know, try and theorize We're we are so good in this sport. We love to come up with theories. I think, I, I don't know about any other sport that has guys with so many different theories about why things are, we're trying to figure out, you know, what a fish is thinking and, you know, sure we could throw crawlers, but nope, we're committed to the fly thing and we're stubborn about it too, which I don't know. It's kind of fun. As long as you have some perspective on that, you're willing to take a big step back and laugh about it. You can still have a fun time out there chasing trout, but Brian, for example, has been rocking smallies this spring because it's been way more consistent. It got going a lot sooner in the spring than we typically see, and it's that's the great thing about smallmouth is they're going to eat in the heat. They're going to eat when it's cooler. They're going to eat in the sun when during the rain. I mean, you name it, you can usually go find some smallmouth. So that's been his program. He's, he's doing that today. He just sent me a picture catching smallies on topwater. And, man, they fight hard. I know we've talked about that in previous podcasts, and we'll talk more about that. For those of you who have only done the trout thing about how to go chase some smallies, hopefully we can get some some of the guys in here and rattle on about that for a while. So that was my PA trip. It was a, it was a great time. I can't wait to go back. Um, the guys that put it on do just a silly good job. And – it's, it's fun to, to go to other fly shops and see their operation and take things away and, and kind of commiserate sometimes together and laugh about things we all see that, that are all too common. But it was, it was really cool to see all these rivers so close together, um, you know, are surrounded by these, these lush green mountains and tons of wildflowers in the spring and be challenged. It's fun to be challenged. You know, I see so many new anglers that just want to be able to make their cast and expect a fish to come up. Well, that's just one piece of the puzzle, as you all know. Casting's everything, but it's only just the beginning. 
once you get that fly on the water, there's a lot more things you have to do. I wish it was that easy, but that's just the truth. The cheese cup happened just a few days after I got back. And if you don't know, the cheese cup is our annual warm water fundraising tournament. And we raise money every year. We've been doing this, I think, six years now. We raise money for suicide prevention, actually, in northern Michigan, and specifically for child and family services and their outreach programs. A few years ago, if you don't know, unfortunately, we did lose um, a good friend and, and past staff member to suicide. It was a really tough time for all of us. We just We just didn't know what to do. You know, I mean, you have all these guys that, you know, are feeling this, this crushing loss and we didn't know what to do other than go fishing. And we found a way, thankfully with the help of family, friends, and some amazing sponsors to throw a tournament together and throw it together fast. I mean, we threw it together crazy fast that first year and it's just, it's endured. I think because we've made about that cause and, and are willing to talk with people about that issue. And I think everyone is unfortunately affected by that nowadays. It's, it's tough to find someone who's not affected by that. So that's always the first weekend in June. And we go chase pike, bass, bluegill, and carp. And the biggest fish in each category wins. And we also do a slam setup where you, you can catch three of four or all four in the super slam. It's just a fun way to do it, and we, we make a big point of making the prizes goofy so things are not too competitive. Anyone can win the really good prizes because we usually draw for them or turn them into a, a silent auction item. So this year we raised almost four, four grand, which is great. I think since we've been doing it, we've almost raised, I know I think we're around 50 grand, something crazy like that. I don't have the numbers, but thank you, all of you who's – who did come out and fish this year, or I can't, I'm always shocked with how many people send us in gifts or donations or stuff for the the giveaways. And it, it makes such a big difference. And it's wild to sit down and think about how much support it takes to put that thing together. So thank you all of you. And if you've not done it, come check it out. It's fun. It's goofy. It's fun to run around and try and catch all four species in a day. No one caught a carp this year. I will say that. So um, hopefully I'll get a chance here soon to put together kind of a wrap up so you can go check out, you know, who won with what, how big a fish. But we had over 35 teams fishing this year, which is great. Um, I know it was kind of a, a short notice deal this year. A lot of people have more stuff going on now that, you know, COVID restrictions have been a little bit more relaxed. So hoping to make it bigger every year, hoping to have more people compete or doing it distance. So if, even if you're not right in Northern Michigan, you can still compete. It's cool. We have guys that do it up in the UP. So think about that for next year, first weekend of June, every single year. One thing we've been dealing with this spring, unfortunately, that's not so positive is the spread of Didymo on the upper Manistee. Now, if you follow us on social media or YouTube, any of those, you've probably heard about this already. But Didymo is an aquatic invasive species that kind of grows thick like a mat. It's almost like wool on the water, and it'll just cover the entire stream bottom. And it really has been. I mean, we've seen it just the start of it, and then poof, three mile to Sharon is really bad. Really, 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 really bad. If you want to see something, they'll just 
break your heart. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do to eradicate it. But what we've been really trying to push folks on is stopping the spread, is, is be a responsible angler. Think about what you might be introducing to some of these beautiful places you like to disappear to. So if you're fishing the upper Manistee, we've been really trying to encourage people scrub all your stuff. You can use 409, you can use dish soap, a bunch of these other things and clean, drain, dry is are the big three things. So whenever I'm up there, I'm scrubbing the heck out of stuff, scrubbing the heck out of my boat, my waders, my boots, especially around the laces, things like that. I'm rinsing it really good and then I'm going to let it dry. I mean, as, as dry as humanly possible before I go fishing again. And sometimes that's tough when we have, you know, multiple trips days in a row. So we'll use sometimes that 409 instead of the, just the dish soap, just for a little bit extra kick. But it's, it's, it's just sad to see. Um, it's, we don't know how it's totally going to affect the river yet. Uh, I've seen river systems with this that just see different blooms seasonally, depending on environmental conditions. And it's just there. It's, it's something we're going to have to deal with, but most of us are just really, really concerned about the other rivers in Northern Michigan that might be a little bit more susceptible to something like that. You know, we're seeing some of our rivers don't have huge densities of fish. Now, if that Didymo affects the invasive species, you know, or excuse me, and if it affects those macroinvertebrates, the, all that trout food, you know, we see a bigger decline. It's going to be really noticeable. So check out, I'll try and link it down in the description, at least on our, our hosting page for this. We did a great video. Brian helped with that. Our friend Tommy Green helped with that. Um, just about just about what it is, what to look for, and what to do with it. So, you know, things are, you know, it's really tough as this sport grows. How do we, how do we deal with that? And I think the number one thing has to be education in my mind. So create more advocates for cold, clean water. And that's, that's how we justify continuing to help grow the sport as a shop is, is try and make more educated and involved anglers who are invested in these special places lasting and being there for generations to come. So that's the, that's the Debbie Downer moment of this podcast, unfortunately, but check it out, learn about Didymo, spread the word, not, not the invasive. That's the big thing. So, you know, we've talked to so, so many people that have never heard of it and that's okay. We understand that we're trying to push for more exposure. You know, it should, in our opinion, it should be, you know, a PSA within the, in the fishing guide, you know, or on the DNR website, a little bit more prominent, but you know, maybe, you know, tell your friends, ask if they've heard about it, if what they're doing. I know some guides are switching anchor ropes and using some boats for some water and not for others. And there's some great things you can do out there to help preserve the, the rest of the places that haven't been affected by this yet. Now, I talked a little bit about the weather we've had this spring, about it being up and down and kind of goofy, but let's talk a little bit about how it has affected our water temperatures and what you should be looking out for. Now, it's weird to be concerned about, for me at least, it's weird to be concerned about water temps in mid-June. I mean, that's like an August 
August, September thing, you know, July sometimes thing for me, but that's the way things are going. That's the way we're seeing this trend every year. We're seeing it kind of creep a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier. And the upper MASD, especially, especially is susceptible in the Asable as well is you have that low clear water that does not move very fast and it's very exposed to sunlight. So it just bakes that, that sand bottom bakes all day long. And then come four o'clock, come five o'clock, you're creeping up above 67. I mean, I saw temps above 70 already this June, easily several days. And again, if you follow us on social media, you've seen us harping on this and trying our best to tell everyone, keep an eye out for that. But it's, it's an, another unfortunate thing we've, we're having to deal with. And if you want to be a good catch and release angler, you need to pay attention to water temperatures. Now, if you're out there to catch a few fish and have a fish fry, do it to it, man. Absolutely. No judgment whatsoever. That's, that's something you can do with our resource. Now I try not to take any fish out of the waters I guide. I know Brian and everyone else at our shop practices catch and release religiously because we need there to be fish for our customers. We want there to be fish when you come fish with us. So we usually don't keep fish out of places like the Boardman or the Upper Manistee. So something to think about in terms of the range. You should have a thermometer. If not, take your meat thermometer, whatever you got, get get creative. But thermometers are pretty common nowadays. And the range you should be looking out for is anything above 68, you should just stop fishing. Plain and simple. Red flag. You know, just sit down, drink a beer, whatever you have to do. Go chase something else. Go bass fishing, anything else but trout fishing. Now, that range from 66 up to 68 is is kind of that okay but not great range. That's usually where we say rope up, go to a thicker tippet, go to you know a much heavier line so you can get those fish in and get them back out and keep them wet. We're not taking pictures of fish in that just because they're so much more stressed. And then anything below 65 you got the green light. Go for it. Play them a little bit. They're happy. They're feeding. They're not as lethargic, and they're going to recover much easier from a catch and release situation. Now, this is not new information. I know that, but I think the question I get most often is why. Why is that you know difficult for for the trout, or why is that something we need to focus on necessarily? And it's, it's good. I understand there's a disconnect there sometimes around that. It's just like a rule we give everyone. But, you know, you should question this stuff and ask why, because the more you know, you know, the more, you know, information you can share with your friends and you can be a more responsible angler. Again, please do that. So here's the big deal. Trout need oxygen. Shocker, right? I mean, trout need oxygen. Okay, but here's the kicker is that as water increases above 65 degrees, they need more oxygen. Okay, that's that was something I actually did not understand years ago personally, is that not only is there less oxygen in the water, the warmer the, the temperature is, but the need of fish actually increases. And actually between, so if you take trout 
in 40 degree water and then trout in 75 degree water. The trout in 75 degree water needs six, six times more oxygen. That's a lot. I mean, that's so it's this law of diminishing returns thing, right? You have great, you have warmer water temperatures and fish need more oxygen, but there's less of it. So it's, it's, it just makes sense to, you know, not stress those fish out. You know, they cannot catch their breath. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it. Oh, well, the fish swam away. Well, that's great, but it doesn't mean they're going to make it through the night, right? I mean, how many of us have unfortunately got to the river in the morning and found, you know, a fish floating belly up? I certainly have. I have people send me pictures every year. Oh, my gosh, we just found this huge fish. You know, I had one few years ago, someone sent me a picture of a 25 inch trout. I mean, they picked it up, measured it and it was dead. I mean, probably was caught the night before. So it just can't feel good. And just because that fish swims away, you can't feel good about it. I'm sorry. You gotta, you got to think a little bit deeper than that. Okay. It's just sure. You know, you can feel good about it if you want, but you shouldn't. So think about that, get a thermometer, be a responsible angler, protect these resources. These are your resources. They need your input. They need your work. You know, I had a gentleman out a few weeks ago. We were fishing ISOs hoping for maybe a little bit of early hex. We got to the water and it was, it was like 68, 69. And he was awesome. He was just so cool with it. You know, I told him, unfortunately, I can't, I can't even hand you a rod right now. I can't feel good about it. So we sat and we, we really got to know each other for about four hours. We talked about books. We talked about life and perspective and, and the things we all go through and everyone having their stuff. And then finally, after a little bit after dinner, things started to cool down. We hit about 67 and we started to fish at that point. And we caught a few fish. We moused our way out. He lost a big one on the mouse. <laughs> that was really exciting. And then we headed home. And, you know, I big thanks to the folks out there who are who understand how important these resources are. And, you know, once they're gone, they're, you can't just make them come back. So things to think about in terms of water temperature. Let's talk a little bit about what's coming up the rest of the summer. Um, basically, <laughs> Brian and I are battening the hatches down, getting new staff up to speed. You know, we got some new guys coming in. You should stop in the shop and say hi. We got... Nolan, we got Patrick hanging out now, and they're great new anglers. They're a little younger, so they're learning the ropes of the shop. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what our summer holds. The big thing we got going is our summer classes. Now, we have, I think, three more classes this month alone, including a ladies only class, which we started last year with the help of our friend Cami. And, man, what a, what a fun time that has been it's been been a really rewarding set of challenges for us to tackle and we're we're looking forward to do it again uh, i did a school a week or two ago here just by myself and it's just there's so much info in this sport that's it's front end loaded it's overwhelming i talk a lot we talk a lot in these classes but this is stuff that you know otherwise would take you sometimes 5 6 years to figure out we talk about when to use what type of leader, the length, the strength, the diameter, all that stuff, how it relates to flies, the different casts you need to know, the knots, the approach, all this 
important stuff. And it's a group setting. We usually provide a lunch. It's pretty darn affordable. It's a lot, it's less than a guide trip. So check that out. There's tons more info about that on our website. Besides classes, I have a huge list of podcast topics that I want to get to this summer and some great videos. We're going to be doing some fun projects with Loon and with Scientific Anglers this summer now that we're able to find ourselves a little bit more time. So thank you so much for listening. I just wanted to, you know, I know this was a short episode, but I wanted to remind everyone we're still here. We're still rocking some stuff out. We've just been just been fishing, you know, just been on the water. So hopefully you have been too. We will see you soon. Thanks everyone.